Okay. Um, <clears throat> so tonight, here's what I would like to do. We'll see what happens, of course. But um, um, for the last number of weeks, since I kind of returned after my accident, I've been talking a lot about skillfulness in practice. What does it mean to be skillful? Skillful in the meditation practice. How do you give skillful? What different kinds of um, skillfulness is needed at different phases of practice? Because there's certain kind of skillfulness that's needed at the beginning of practice, and certain kind when you're more experienced at practice, and certain kind when you've been practicing a long time, or or um, things like that, or, or how, how do you be skillful in your practice, whether it's practice on the cushion or practice off the cushion, and what, what areas are you skillful at? Are you skillful in terms of mindful speech? Are you skillful at knowing how to be present, be awake, use your speech skillfully, and really stay aware of the whole experience, or not? Or is that a place where you totally go to sleep? So I've been talking about skillfulness, the Buddha's emphasis on skillfulness in practice, which he emphasized over and over again in his teachings. He would talk about, oh, this is skillful, this is unskillful. And, and remember, as I've been talking about it the last number of weeks, it's not like, oh, unskillful is bad, and now you're a bad meditator, so you have to leave. No, we're all, we're, we're all learning how to be more, it's a, here's a better way to say it. Meditation is an art, and any art you have the possibility of deepening into the functioning of that art, into the manifestation of that art. Meditation is an art in that way, and there are certain practices that are skillful, certain practices that are unskillful. And it's not true like, oh, all the time this is unskillful, all the time this is skillful. Sometimes they can go back and forth depending on what's happening in, in the moment, in the experience, in your mind, in your speech, in your actions, in your work, in your relationships, etc., etc., etc. So I talked, I've been talking about that for a number of weeks since I've come back. And as I said, partly I was talking about it because you've had um, a number of different teachers, very much a lot of uh, Anushka, Fernando Pole, who substituted a lot here, and other people. And one of the things that's often confusing for practitioners is they'll hear different instructions from different teachers, or different um, variations on the instructions from different teachers which is, of course, how it should be, how it is, because each teacher has made the practice their own in some way, and then they're going to teach you, they're going to offer you instructions where they know this works, and this works well, and this works for me, and here's what happened. And so you'll get that. But it can be confusing when you, if you're not so familiar with hearing different teachings, to hear different ways to be skillful with the same practice, or, with, or how different parts of practice will bring certain kinds of skillfulness. So I thought it might be helpful if we 
spent a few weeks, really it's been about three or five weeks that we've been talking about skillfulness. And then the last two weeks I talked about Naranasati. And Naranasati is one of the practices the Buddha calls the most skillful. We don't teach it that much at the beginning, but it's a fine practice. Here's what the Buddha said about Naranasati. He said, of all the footprints in the jungle, that of the elephant is supreme. Of all the footprints in the jungle, that of the elephant is supreme. Of all the mindfulness meditations, that of death is supreme. So Marana Sati, Marana is death, Sati is mindfulness, is mindfulness and death practice. And it's one of the practices that if you're going to hang out in the Buddhist scene for a while, if you're going to learn mindfulness, sooner or later that will become part of practice. First of all, and I said this last week or the week before, but I'll say it again, everybody here is going to die. Okay? Are we good with that? Has everybody agreed basically with that idea? So what that means, and one of the reasons why I'm talking about it, because my accident was a serious accident, it had a little, it definitely had a question about whether I was going to live or die when I had my accident about my accident was out about five months ago. Um, and, and one of the things that impressed me after my accident, and even it's in the serious stages of the accident, was how functional my practice was even when I wasn't doing it. Okay? It, it was happening. It, it, it did its job. And it did its job well. And so um, I thought it'd be interesting to talk a little bit about Naranasati here, which I have the last few weeks. And But I realize I've talked a lot the last number of weeks I've been here, and I'm tired of talking so much. <laughs> and I would like to hear a little bit some of your reactions to what's been taught. And that means, what, what, where are you skillful in practice? Where are you unskillful? What, what areas do you need guidance in to get more skillful? What, what area would be helpful to talk about more? Or Maranasati, or how was it to hear about that? Some people can get very upset hearing about um, mindfulness of death. Or that you can be mindful of the fact that you're going to die, or that everybody's going to die, and that that can be considered a very skillful and helpful practice in the deepening of your awakening. And so sometimes people have a lot of skepticism of that, or a lot of reaction to that, or a lot of dislike of that, or they think it's a downer, which it's not in Buddhism at all. Anything that brings awareness is an upper in Buddhism. (laughs) And and anything that brings reality, um, awareness to reality, that's a double upper. Because that's what we want to work with. We're not trying to be mindful of our fantasy, although you can at times. You can see the mind just makes up stories all the time. But it's very liberating from those stories to be mindful of that. So I thought tonight we'd see, well, what, do you, what kind of questions have come up? What kind of... What have you noticed? What was helpful? What wasn't helpful? 
What do you want to talk about tonight? Could be anything, any part of practice, any part of the teaching. And, you know, I'm, I'm always comfortable if nobody has anything. You know, we can just meditate for another 45 minutes. Or, okay, here's the thing now. now. When you, well, I'm going to call on people. When I call you, please stand, say your name, talk loud enough so I can hear you. So it will be louder than you think it needs to be. Okay? Let's go. Yeah? Hi, I'm Kimberly. Hi, Kimberly. That's pretty good. Yeah, you, you're doing good. Um, uh, believe me, I'll tell you. I'm not shy about that. <laughs> so I was reflecting on the, the Marasaki talk that we've been having. Yeah. And um, I thought about the fact that we Okay, so but sometimes it's helpful, and it, helpful yeah. and it makes you more present. More present, okay. more grateful, exactly. Other times, it has an unintended effect. It really inspires clinging, I guess I would say. But it, it inspires the clinging. It inspires clinging. Yeah, or like this very gluttonous self-liberate. And then 
then you have then practice gets very interesting because then practice isn't about controlling things it's about being awake to what's here and what's here becomes the doorway to liberation rather than oh we've got to get rid of these bad feelings I shouldn't be feeling this because it's not Buddhist oh grateful is Buddhist I should be feeling that no no it actually doesn't matter either way and you can you can wake up with any of your feelings with any of your reactions and believe me you know death is very dramatic right it's a big deal but have you noticed that you have reactions to anything else during the day you know like how somebody talks to you or if somebody looks at you or if you get a good mark on your report card or your work card or your you know like that's happening all the time and so part of the mindfulness of death is just the simplicity of seeing oh we can be aware of our reactivity to reality and then we start to have a, uh, a real opportunity to learn about what's freedom and what's suffering thank you. yeah you're welcome thank you keep keep paying attention to it it's not done yet Maranasati no I mean seriously quite seriously it'll continue your whole life in various forms it'll come in different ways it'll surprise you it'll be you know a butterfly dying on the street or, or a bird or it'll be people or it'll be your own death at some point and that, that'll happen and you can even be aware and mindful of that and see what happens if you stay awake to the way reality presents the impermanence and the ungraspableness of reality. Great. Thank you. Thank you. So I have Lloyd. You know, I, I, maybe this is a personal question, but I, <laughs> I wanted to know after your accident, yeah. as, as, after the accident and as things progressed, were you aware of how serious it was and was, was, was death something that presented itself to you or were you still involved just in the medical process and trying to recuperate? <laughs> no, I wasn't, I wasn't so involved in the medical process at the worst point. <laughs> uh, no, I, yeah, I was definitely aware at certain points that I could live or I could die and I didn't know which was going to happen. And it was okay. Is that because of the morphine, or was that? <laughs> well, it was more the. It was the. No, I, I don't know all the reasons, but definitely there was a certain kind of awareness of of the possibility of life or death, and neither seemed good or neither seemed bad, and that was a surprise. So, and you know, uh, and it wasn't, like I said, that I felt like I wasn't thinking, oh, I need to be mindful here. But definitely my practice happened automatically and surprised me because I could, I, I, it, was, it wasn't even that I was thinking, oh, I'm practicing, but I just knew how to practice practice happened and practice had its insights as well as its um, uh, suffering that was happening too because my body was broken and 
hurting and and also I'm not, I'm not a big hospital guy. I have to want to confess this to everybody. You know, I don't like hospitals and I don't like some of the stuff that happens there. So, yeah. Thank you. But but you know what what I do think now here here I'll really tell you something honest and true in terms of I don't know what the reality is here. So here's my question about what happened for me. Did, did what happened for me was my awareness good or working or functioning because of all the practice I've done? Or is, does it, is it possible that when we get close to death that consciousness itself is already aware? And that's the nature of consciousness itself. And I don't know. You all will tell me what happens to you. There's a quote, and I, I don't know if it was Churchill where he said, nothing focuses a man's mind more than knowing that he's going to get hung in the morning. Yeah. That may be, I don't think he's talking about mindfulness. No. There. <laughs> <laughs> I, I appreciate your attempt there. <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> uh, and I wasn't getting hung, I just want to make that clear. <laughs> Doesn't sound like a great way to go, but so what else? Any part about skillfulness and practice? What have you learned? Where are you skillful? Where aren't you skillful? Go ahead. Uh, my name is Jeremy. Jeremy. Uh, the question to have about uh, skillful versus maybe unskillful discipline. Yeah. Uh, Skillful versus unskillful discipline. Okay. Um, I feel like I've heard from some teachers including here and somewhere else the idea that like forcing yourself to sit down and practice like practicing against your will would maybe not be as good as just not practicing. And that somebody who's like trying to get a regular practice going, it's interesting to think about when is it when is it the right choice to just like force myself to okay. go back. Okay, so let me just repeat a little. The question Jeremy's asking is about skillful or unskillful discipline in practice. And he's heard that it's really, uh, it's not so skillful to force yourself to practice against your will and stuff like that. You didn't hear that from me. (laughs) They're, They're both can be skillful or unskillful. Remember what I said earlier about So, if you haven't learned how to discipline yourself with meditation, take a year and sit every day twice a day. And you will learn a tremendous amount about meditation, whether you want to do it or not. You will learn a tremendous amount. Then take a year and only sit when you want to. And you will learn the difference, the benefits, the skillfulness, the pluses and minuses of both styles of practice because they're both styles of practice but traditionally in the Buddhist style of practice you learn how to sit down and you do it and you and it's, it's a discipline now remember discipline same root as the word disciple discipline and disciple always had to do originally in the etymology with learning discipline was about learning it wasn't about, oh, there's an authority telling me what I have to do. That wasn't the original meaning of the word. Discipline, you became a discipline 
you became a student of the teacher or teaching that you wanted to learn. And so you became a discipline of that teaching or teacher. And that's part of what one does if you really want to engage in spiritual practice is you become a discipline, a spiritual discipline, a Buddhist discipline, whatever you want to call it, a, a Buddhist disciple, you know, and and you will, there's nothing, you know, it's great to learn both ways, is my experience. And usually at the beginning, it helps to do the discipline way. So if you're new to practice, spend a year, like I said, or come on a meditation retreat for, you know, 10 days or two weeks or a month, you'll learn a tremendous amount because all there is to do there is meditate. <laughs> sit, walk, sit, walk, sit, walk, eat. Sit, walk, sit, walk, sit, walk, eat. You will learn. Not, not, and, it's, and the learning is a rich, beautiful learning because it takes us beyond what we know of reality. And we generally we have a limited understanding of what reality is and what we are. And the possibility of what we are and what reality is is infinite. There's not a limitation there. And it's beautiful that there are spiritual practices, spiritual traditions, meditative traditions that have been around for thousands of years that actually open up the door to reality. It's cool, really. And so, you know, come on the May 30th retreat. Even better. You're, you're there soon, sooner. So, and then you'll see, and you'll see what happens when really you're going to sit whether you want to sit or not. Or you're going to sit, even though I'm not ringing the bell for another 15 minutes, and you're thinking, why isn't he ringing the goddamn bell? <laughs> you will learn a tremendous amount about your mind, about your reactivity, about what happens, about your fears, about your desire. about, And then you'll also learn about this part of mind that we call awareness, or being awake, or being awake to what's here. Whether it's my mind and my reactions and my wants and my dislikes and my or what I love or what I hate, all of that is being known, being known, and the knowing of it, something very interesting happens with the knowing of reality, moment by moment by moment. So great! I can't wait to see you. I can't wait to be on that retreat myself. To be totally honest, really. Okay. Take your time, Richard. It's okay. Okay, you got to say it again. I got most of it. Trying to be skillful. Things, okay. It's hard to forget. You're not going to forget. It's hard to look at. I'm sorry. Okay. Well, okay. Okay. So that's the fear. So you're being aware of 
that something happened, you're upset about it, you're also afraid it's going to continue in this way forever. So there's where your meditation is. And it's not the only part of your meditation, but it would be important to begin to learn how to make some room for this and pay attention to it. So paying attention to the, I, I don't know what happened, I don't have to know, but I, I'll just say a few ideas. Paying attention to the feelings that come, guilt or shame or upset or, or, um, uh, or there may be judgment about what happened, all of that or hurt, or grief, all of that. So, so, but all of that is, is, is real life, and you can start to pay attention to it, and not just be bound by it, but actually begin to let it um, teach you about something more than what we even know. We don't even know what it's going to teach you, but it can, and it will. As you learn, start to get skillful in your practice, of staying present with it, of being mindful of it, being awake to it. So it means feeling it, feeling the feelings, feeling the sensation, the, you know, it could be a contraction in the heart or the belly, it can feel like you have, you're shaking inside or there's no ground, all kinds of uncomfortable feelings. So you'll be aware both of the emotion and then the manifestation of the emotion physically and then the, uh, uh, um, the belief that will come with emotion, I'm horrible or I'm bad or this is, will be like this forever, you can start to feel, oh, this is judgment. These are ideas about it. There's a direct experience and then the reaction to the experience. And you're, and you're learning, and, and meditation mindfulness will teach you how to do this, no matter who you are, because everybody will have difficult experiences to learn how to be present present to and awake to and and this is when you you want to practice with it and so you and then see what happens as you practice breathe with it you know and so you can practice with let's say let's say this I'm going to give a more my example okay so there's some grief somebody's died or you know a cousin who was young who died in a car accident and I'm feeling grief so I'm feeling the grief and sadness and then there's the thoughts and memories and you know who she was and what she did and what happened all the memories and oh I wish I would have told her and the, the sorrow and more sorrow and tears come and let, letting them come that's okay you can be aware of it it doesn't have to be a, um, uh, a sophisticated uh, a mindfulness you know it doesn't have to be like the kind of mindfulness you see on a videotape it can be real life mindfulness so then there's the feelings and then there's the reaction to the feelings. And there can be judgments about having the feelings, or, you know, I'm a man, I shouldn't have the feelings of sorrow, or I'm a woman, I shouldn't have the feelings of anger or hatred, or whatever it might be, just to see what the mind does with the reality that's here. And be aware of that. And then, and then you notice yourself calming down, you can notice, oh, calm, calm, and calm, and then enjoying it. Pardon? It's possible, it's possible, let's see. In other words, generally in Buddhism we don't talk about it in terms of healing, although that can definitely happen. But I'll just say personally, I find it totally healing. 
to be able to be present with what's actually here rather than having to push away reality, deny reality, pretend it's not reality, or make myself be this, oh, I'm really a great person or something. But actually being, coming into harmony with life as it is, is liberating. And that's a paradox for all of us. We think we have to make life be the way we want, and then we'll be okay. And Buddhism offers a different perspective. It says, you know, great, if you can do that, do it. But if you can't do it, start to wake up to what's here. And then you might find a, uh, that, that reality itself is self-liberating as we get, start to mature and deepen in practice and see who and what we really are. Okay, thank you. And I appreciate you standing up with the difficulty because it's a reality for everybody here. This is not a teaching for, oh, if, if you're having a good time, then come here. I mean, that's great. And it's amazingly skillful to learn how to practice with joy and love and feeling great or expansive. But it's as equally as important to learn how to practice with being contracted or, or grieving or angry or pissed or, or not even knowing what the hell is going on and being mindful of that. And my name is Rick. Thank you, Steve, for that. Um, I had an experience when I was away in retreat for three months and similarly, I was actually waiting for a picture of a great niece that was going to be born. Wait, wait, you were waiting for a picture of... A picture of why well, I was going to be away in retreat yeah. I have a great niece that was going to be born. And so I asked to receive a picture during the retreat. It was going to happen like in the middle of the three months. Well, when that time came, I wasn't hearing anything. Uh-huh. And then a few days, and like I was wondering what was going on, and all of a sudden they got a letter to me, and they told me that she's in the hospital with her mother and she may not live. And and I, when I had gone into the retreat, I said to myself, no matter what happens, I was going, I was going to watch everything that came up in my mind. And I was doing that. And it was just amazing when I heard that news, what did come up in my mind, and similar to the pain and the grief and the not knowing what you just said, because I had no clue and I had no way of talking to anybody or reaching out to anyone. And I remember the whole world became surreal for me because of the love that I had for the mother, mm-hmm. my niece having her niece and her mother and the pain that I knew everybody was in, I could not be there. And every day, just kind of watching my own mind grasp for the different aspects of it, you know, I should be there, I'm not there, should I stay in the retreat? This is horrible, how could this happen? She's such, you know, my niece is such a wonderful person, her first baby, and all this was going on and on and around. I just stayed with it until there was that point where there was something in the mind where it's like I was present here and then I was grabbing on the thought. And all of a sudden there was like there was the thought and there was the present moment. They began to separate because I was willing to see that. And I remember one morning going for a walk and I started to think about it and all this emotion and I said, wait a minute. I'm standing here walking in this beautiful forest, breathing. Where do I want my mind to be? 
and I realized I can hold the feeling of the not knowing and everything else and still be present and feel the joy of the present moment. And this practice really has helped me help me get to that place. And with what you said, that I was I found in myself a willingness to stay present with everything that was coming up and not push anything away. Seems that. to be the most important thing is learning how to be present even with all our thoughts and all our wants and all our fears. And there's something that ha- happens when we take our control off of reality. Great. Thank you. Hi. What, what's your name? Michelle. You're, you're going to have to go a little louder. I was practicing um, college since 
<laughs> well, send them to me. <laughs> well, here, wait. Couple things you said. You know, like being, you know, happy to hear that the treatment's working well for you and things are going positive. But that doesn't always happen. And that's not a horrible thing. It's sad, may bring a lot of grief. But the truth is, if you're alive, you're going to die. That's how it works. That's just the nature of this realm of existence. Is we're, we're born and we live for a while. It might be five years or ten years or twenty years or thirty years or forty or fifty or sixty or seventy, eighty or ninety or hundred. But that's it. So you're the person who you were in the room with, who she was like, she was getting worse because she didn't we don't know what the right thing is. We think the right thing is, oh, everybody has to live. Maybe. I don't, I don't know that. Really, I, I do not know that. All I know is sometimes you, we live, and hopefully that's good, and sometimes we don't live, and hopefully that's good. So, so I, I just want to put that in as part of the possibility of maybe it's the right time for somebody to die, or maybe some of us have to die earlier, and that's just that. That is how life is. It's not a bad thing or not a big penalty or anything, because we don't know what happened. We're assuming, oh, life is the whole thing, and then we die and it's over. It may not be that way. Who knows? Let's see. Stay awake. Stay awake. Meaning, stay awake all the way through, and let's see what happens when we get to the death time, and what that is. And then the other piece I want to comment on is what you said about, like, I'm not sure if it was like your sister or somebody, people who are close to us, who aren't very sensitive when we're going through a hard time. That's the way it is. And it's not even that they're bad. Different people have different skills in life. Some of us are more skillful at being around difficulty or suffering or people having hard times. Some people it's harder for. And um, if you're practicing, you want to practice with your reaction to them having a hard time or them not being there as much as you would like them to be there and see what happens as you include that as part of your practice rather than, oh, you know, I'm cutting them off or I hate them or, you know, it's their fault. You know, they're wrong. Because, you know, I mean, we could... Who knows what's supposed to happen? I don't. But I know we can pay attention to what is happening. And that can be very liberating. Very liberating. And so I'm happy that the practice has been useful or supportive for you and that you got that because not everybody gets that you know maybe it's not the right thing for everybody to practice I don't know but for those of you who it is at least for me I know it's since this accident I have I've been so grateful for practice in general Really, and, and I felt that in the hospital, and I felt that when I got glimpses of life and death. 
what a, what, what a gift that human beings have this capacity to be woken up. It's beautiful. So just good luck. Either whatever happens. <laughs> If you could stand and say your name, please. Stacy. Stacy. Hi, Stacy. Uh, does Maranasati also include like anything about um, death as like violence from other humans? Death as a result of violence from humans. Right. Well, 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 wait, I'm not sure what you're claiming. Of course, that can happen. That's how death could happen. It just seems like there's an inherent. Um, different for me, like when I imagine different kinds of death. Um, right. So so that's what you want to pay attention to. Stacy saying that um, one can imagine different kinds of experiences of death depending on the circumstances. Like you can have a good death if you're in a nice place and it's at the end of life and this you know, everybody's there. But even like natural disasters seem Na- natu- yeah. Yeah, accidents, disasters. A- accidents, disasters seem better or worse. Seem better than, than violent. violent death. So you're having and so it's true in Buddhism we don't encourage violence in general. <laughs> um, but violence happens and violent death happens and if we pay attention you don't know what will happen if you're the victim of violent death you have an idea now you have a belief now you have a reaction now I'm not saying go do it I'm actually thinking more about being a survivor somebody else uh huh okay being a survivor of human connection and other forms of suffering so, so what's the question? What it does to human suffering and other forms of connection? Um, just, I, I don't know how to, but it's just so fundamentally different to pay attention in, to that. It, maybe it is. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't assume it is. I don't assume it isn't. Let's pay attention and see what happens. And you tell us. Like, make that your practice for a week or a month or a year or five years. And you will learn a tremendous amount about reality and about the mind and about human connection. Uh, It's a fascinating question, really, about violent death and how that impacts us and what happens seems like a really difficult area in general and yet let's see what happens if we stay awake and and pay attention to that area I, I, I don't know any other way to learn about it so yeah let us know really I mean it's one of the fascinating things about Buddhist practice is on one hand you have the Buddha and all the teachings of the Buddha and all the teachings of the disciples for thousands of years you have that all that information but really bottom line 
what what's being offered, all of that's being offered in the service of you waking up, of you paying attention, of you learning about reality. And that that's priceless. What's your name? What? Scott Rule. Carlos, sorry. My hearing's worse since my accident. It's true. Thank you for causing me to practice. I didn't cause you. Well, you helped me. I'm happy to be helpful. Good. What do, you, uh, what do you think of um, asking, or like, I will ask for help when I need it with myself to help me pay attention to what I'm doing? That's my question. I think that's fine. Yeah. So, so what you're describing from the Buddhist perspective is, is uh, uh, a certain kind of intention and a prayer. And they're both totally legit in Buddhist practice. You know, I mean, you know, I'll, I do my own inner uh, uh, orientation and sometimes I'll, I don't usually, sometimes, you know, when I ask for, for help or, or the way here, I'll, I'll be totally honest. So at the end of the meditation sitting, when I do my bow, usually, not always, but mostly, I always say, my, may my words be helpful tonight. And that's the wish, that's the intention. May my words be helpful tonight. May they be good, may I be clear. Doesn't mean I am, I, don't, I know better than that, but, but really it's, it's a way to, you know, we're orientating the heart and mind in a certain direction with that kind of prayer or that kind of intention and who knows who knows if there's help or not I don't I'm not a big like oh yeah I get help I get the the great Dharma teacher comes in and says everything that you know I, once in a once a year that may happen <laughs> but generally it's me doing the best I can but um but um you know who knows what's actually going on. Reality is so magical at a certain level. So great. I'm glad I've been helpful for you. Thank you. Uh, Carlos, I got it. Hey. Hi, I'm Liz. Hi, Liz. Uh, Pardon? (laughs) (laughs) Are you on now? (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
you know, I've been friends with you a couple of years, I really like you. Can I talk a little about what's difficult for me? And you can say that to someone. They can say, you know, I'm not good with that, or no, I don't want... Or they can say, sure, I can handle it, but, you know, let's see how much, or let's see how it goes. And so, you hear what I'm saying? You can pay attention to what's going on in your mind, what your ideas are, or beliefs are, and then you can also see, how do I want to tend to this part of my heart? And that's perfectly good practice. Right? Good practice is not just, oh, I never do anything. The good practice is being aware of everything that's in play and seeing, oh, how do I want to be skillful here? What do I want to do with this? What would make sense in terms of what's helpful or what's skillful or, or what's liberating? And, you know, and, and an important part of it is paying attention to yourself and the feelings you're having. But at times, what's liberating is talking about what's happening. And that's perfectly valid. You know, all the Buddha's followers, if you read the text, they all come up to the Buddha and say, um, I want to talk about this, and then tell him some story about something bad that happened, or something hard that happened. And you know, sometimes he said, okay, go sit in the forest for three years. You know, or sometimes he, he says, and, what, and sometimes he says, and what happens is you stay present with that? Or what happens if you do this or that? You know, he inquires with them. And so, yeah, it's fine for you to ask people, can I talk to you about this? And then see what happens. You know, watch your own judgments about that, or your own beliefs about that, or your ideas, or your preconceptions about it. See what reality brings. Okay? I hope that's a little different than what you imagine. It's a little less stoic, a little more loving. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I may be more loving. Good So let's sit for a minute before we end. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.